I had never seen so many big Stillwater rainbows in a week on Facebook than I did when that thing launched. It was awesome. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, a look behind the scenes of the fly fishing world, featuring insight from guides and gear reps, conversation with resort managers, thoughts on entomology, discussions on fly patterns and destinations, and plenty of fish stories. Most importantly, it's an exploration of this lifelong journey we call fly fishing. Here is your host, Mark Hopley, with this episode of Fly Fishing 97. So today I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast Brent Gill from the Douglas Lake Ranch in Douglas Lake, British Columbia, Canada. Brent, thanks thanks a lot for joining us today. Hey, hello, hello. No problem, Mark. Thanks for uh, setting this up. Absolutely. So I got to ask you, we're going to talk all, man, there's a lot of questions I have for you, whether it's uh, Wait For It <laughs> Films, whether it's your, your Stillwaters website, um, but let's, and Douglas Lake Ranch, of course. Um, but let's start, if you don't mind, with a little history about yourself, kind of how, how you got into the game. Surely, sure. Well, I grew up in Cloverdale, BC. Um, my old man, uh, bless his soul, he's passed away now, uh, was in the fishing industry uh, right from his teenager years. So he worked at, uh, he was a sales manager at Rettle Sports, which was a big distributor uh, in in Burnaby for all fishing tackle, kind of Western Canada. So we ended up opening up Gill's uh, Fishing Tackle, which was a fly shop gear shop in Langley um, in the early uh, 90s. So right from high school was as uh, injected into, uh, you know, fly fishing and fishing retail. And along after that came the wonderful world of guiding and fishing lodges and the whole business. But it all started for me at about the age, I would guess, five or six uh, in Kamloops area. We uh, lake fished all summers as much as we could. So it came really early and it's still happening for me. That's awesome because I know, I mean, a place like Douglas Lake Ranch is not going to hire somebody to run that that doesn't really know their stuff. And it sounds like your resume is pretty deep. I hope so. But yeah, this is where we've come. Um, you know, for years, I was also in the uh, Coastal Lodge game as well as... Um, guiding in region two for on the Fraser and Harrison system. So um, my number one go-to has always been Stillwaters probably because, you know, that's, that's where it all started for me um, at a real young age. So yeah, there's a com- I'm kind of comfy now targeting what, you know, exactly my highest interests are. So it's, it feels good. I had to laugh when you mentioned Rettle Sports. I can remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, I used to call you mm-hmm. guys just about every every week to order order some supplies. Dad was the sales manager at Rettle, and then he ended up leaving Rettle for us to open Gills, which was a, a shop on the Langley Bypass for, I think we had it 15 years. So wow. that's, that's two life. Uh, that's two lives in the fishing tackle retail world. And anyone that, you know, listening is in fishing tackle retail, they know that's a, that, that is a long time. Absolutely. So how, how long have you been at the ranch now? Uh, this is the sixth season for me uh, up at Douglas Lake. Um, I was with West Coast Resorts for a, a, a decade guiding title and also doing their marketing and lodge management on the central coast. And then in some of that in the winters, I'd also be running a Silver King Lodge, which is a tarpon outfit in Costa Rica. And bouncing back and forth between all of them, um, still water fishing. And now we, uh, we're uh, humbled right in trail country, so life's good. 
Yeah, you're nestled right in the heart of it there, I got to say. Yeah. So tell the folks about some of the amazing, amazing fly fishing opportunities at the ranch. I mean, I'm, I've probably fished a half dozen lakes on your property there, but um, oh, good. maybe maybe throw, throw, tell the folks what they can expect uh, from Douglas Lake Ranch as far as fly fishing goes. Sure. So um, if people don't know, Douglas Lake Ranch's primary operation is uh, the cattle business. So it's sitting around 500,000 acres uh, sprawled between Kamloops, Merritt, Princeton, and kind of Kelowna. There's a bit of a diamond of an area that's called the Douglas Lake Cattle Company. But within it, um, there's 14 stillwaters on the property. And uh, back in the 70s and into the early 80s, the, you know, the, the fisheries really developed from with the Woodward's family, uh, Chunky Woodward's, who's notorious for one of the Woodward's department stores, um, decided that some of those lakes on the property needed fish. So we've, um, you know, through many decades of uh, development, loss, um, experimenting, uh, have come up with some pretty cool and unique fisheries. And, and you know, the brand, the, the Douglas Lake, and no pun intended by using the brand, word brand, the brand has always been managed rod days and, uh, you know, keeping our eyes on um, not having any of the body. Um, Salmon Lake Resort on the, kind of the north northeast end, which is closer to West Westwold and Falkland, is uh, a big operation. Um, but that lake's managed by the province. Um, we have the property on the northeast side and have a bunch of cabins and campsites there. And when you move down kind of the southeast side, we have uh, the Mini and Stony chain, and there's a full uh, four-star lodge that operates, um, you know, the full meal uh, boats and fishing plans on Stony. And then over at Mini, there's a ranch house, um, which sleeps eight, uh, a couple yurts set out on that lake, and that's the maximum occupancy. So with those lakes, you won't see more than 10 to 15 anglers, period, on, um, on a any day um, most of the time it's a third of that and about 20 percent of the season then sprawled out through the rest of the property there's a bunch of little uh larger than pond, uh, larger than the pond status smaller than a large lake status you know like 100 acre size and less um that we do all of our own private stocking with as well so the, the key is is you know, lowering uh you know rod pressure for sure that's the one thing that I always have noticed whenever I fished any of of your waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember going out to Crater Lake in the oh, I want yes. to say it was the uh, mm-hmm. early '90s, late '80s. Uh, uh, without a doubt, Brent, probably the best fishing experience of my life. Very cool. Crater's a tough one. It's one of my favorites. It's we just have two private campsites there, so there's no rod fees. It's just you rent the campsite and have have your go at Crater. But yeah, she's a tough one. You know, you can see fish sixty feet on a calm day there. So, but it's a beauty. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my faves for sure. We were up in in your neck of the woods last year. Stayed at uh, Salmon Lake uh, Lodge mm-hmm. there, and then went out to uh, we fished Harry's Dam and oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. You know, beautiful little piece of water and just you got mm-hmm. the lake to yourself. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and Harry's Harry's is a good one. It's tough. That we we put about between eight hundred. And 1,100 triploid pinasks in Harry's Dam annually, and it is it can be tough or it can be super super explosive. I think because it's such a small body, they're really tuned into their environment when there's visitors or not. Harry's is also on my top three up there, but 
can be wonderful or it can be super challenging. Yeah. I've got a personal battle with Harry's down. <laughs> I got a funny story for you. Your fish are all beautiful, but there was this one fish in particular last year we were up there and I saw this dorsal fin mm-hmm. probably about, uh, I don't know, 20 feet off the shoreline, just going through the water. And it was one of the biggest fish I've ever seen, but it, it was a gnarly looking fish. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you. And, have you heard about that one? No, but I'm sure if you've seen them, that's probably Harry. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody else yeah. mentioned it to me, and they said, oh, yeah, 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 I've seen that guy before. Yeah, yeah he's looking at to see who was there for the day. So if somebody is interested in maybe uh, some fine dining, uh, some world-class wines, um, and mm-hmm. uh, some amazing fly fishing, maybe maybe uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Stony Lake Lodge. Sure. Uh, so Stoney's on its 23rd year. Uh, actually, this will be the 20, yeah, 24th year of operation. It was built in the winter and opened in April. So they uh, they had a plan and they they you know built this perfect building right on the you know the right spot facing the sunsets, looking across uh, south towards the Coke Summit. Um, that's a 300 acre body of water. Uh, structure wise. Uh, she looks like an upside down egg carton, I mean, full of sunken islands and shoals, and a protected area uh, in the north corner, which is hugely important if anyone knows what the Thompson Nicola area is like for wind. So, having some sort of protection was probably why the lodge was built there. Um, there's moving water in and out of it, um, spectacular fishery. So, the program is the what they used to call the American Plan program, where all your meals lodging boats and angling are included so we uh you know we really strive for um, the best culinary teams that we can get on annually we purchase and research local wines to kind of continue on and create that local feeling and as well some of the best staff we can find uh stony is you know has i managed the lodge for three years before i went into managing the whole tourism part of the operation it's uh it's a quite a unique place um there's not a lot like it um Stillwater lodges being just in Region 3 are rare, where you have uh, private water and, uh, you know, the all-inclusive deal. So it, it's a beauty, yeah. It's a gem, and it's it's unique. And and for those that don't know, Canada's largest working cattle ranch, so it covers a lot of land and just some... The thing I love about it, Brent, is where you got that transition from the rolling grasslands to the, to the pine, you know, to the Ponderosa Pines. For me, that's where the good fishing is always where those two come together. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Right on the edge of that is bliss. And that's what a Wadley Lake, which is on the uh, borders of the property too, has that scene rolling on one side... Uh, Pine Ridge on the other, and you know both Stony and Wadley hold some enormous fish. So there's you've got you've got something there that might be the key. Second biggest fish I've ever seen in my life was was in Wadley, and that's a yeah, that's a gem too. Yeah, I, I have a picture in my office of a gal. I believe it was uh, 2005, 2006. Uh, was staying at one of the yurts, the first the first yurt that was placed there at the dock. Here's a classic story. Boats bumped up against the dock, probably a few beer cans floating around in the bottom of the boat, reeling in. And um, this this uh, lady, I believe she lives in Vernon, caught a fish. It was 16 pounds. I have the picture of it. Wow. It was retained, sadly enough, but that's the way you can go sometimes. It's a regulation we're you know that that the province has on the lake that you can keep one over. 
this thing was a whale. It looked like a big northern coho, and that's how it was caught. That's a monster. Of course, right? Reeling in, sitting at the dock. Yeah, and it looks all 16 of it, too. Unbelievable. But that tells you the, you know, the nature of the waters in that country, like how fertile they are, how much food source there is, and and how some of those those world-famous rainbow trout can grow so big. Yeah, you bet. You, um, that's that's a unique one, like uh, Stony as well. Is you have uh, seven months of chronomids hatching, and you know they just get larger. There's a pause around July, but it, they never go away. And then mid July into early September, those bombers, and we're talking wingless spratlies, sitting all over the surface. <laughs> so they have that. They have that choice all year, and I think that steady diet, along with a ton of scuds, is the makeup for those real shouldery fish. Are those those uh, green bombers, kind of like, look like Christmas trees, a little bit of red wrap? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Oh, man. Exactly. Yeah, a green gas and a red. They're enormous, and, uh, you know, you can time on an eight. They load up your indicator. You see it kind of go, boink. You sound like a guy that does probably a lot of tying. Or, or what are you tying at the bench these days, Brent? Uh, of course, chronomids. Um, more... More recently, I've, um, I'm doing a lot of artwork, so I'm, I'm painting more chronomids than I'm actually tying because I've somehow I've lucked out by filming a ton that people are sending me so many damn flies that life is really good. So I picked John Kent I work closely with, with uh, Wait For It Films, so he supplies patterns, of course, to showcase on the, on the video clip. Um, uh, Ryan Enemer, a guy from Calgary, sends me flies, and... Also another uh, fellow, Rick Beck. So I've got this lucky deal going on where I'm getting so many damn flies in the mail. I'm high-fiving myself. But I take my kit I take my kit camping. That's my rule now. I tie when I'm at the lake. That That's not easy to do. I've tried that. I have a hard time with that for some reason. Super hard. But you know what? That's the one thing now. So the game that I play now is if I, if I find a nice darner or gonfus on uh, um in the shoreline or a specific scud or a, a unique looking damsel, then I'll take that back to the, back to the year or the camper and, and, and tie some of those relative to the lake that day. Um, but I'll always be tying, you know, a 10 or a 12 um, Elvis pattern or a dirty olive throughout, throughout the year. Cause I need dozens and dozens of those. So that, uh, that, that those are some of your go-to patterns in, in your neck of the woods. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I've, I've, don't experiment as much as i probably should i really stick to 12s and 14s Hmm. um i prefer uh black underbody thread with red stretch tubing pattern it's an older one than a tie just looks like a bloody black pattern and it just works you know i probably fish it the hardest that could be why yeah well and that let's face it if you're not confident in what you're you can put anything on there but if you believe in it that's that's half the battle isn't it yeah you bet and you know the good rule of thumb is what's going on the water clarity can you know in concerns to the patterns and you know on bright sunny days i'll use more reflective patterns obviously with um you know more shimmer and then on the darker days something with a you know more of a, a straightforward profile and not you know crazy anal about matching colors but you know maybe paying attention more to the water clarity or the environment that day what do you think too about the theory that uh you're talking about 12s and 14s if you're if you're uh, fishing a floating line with an indicator chances are say say with the natural that's coming off it's maybe a 16 so if if your 12 mm-hmm. is sitting in front of their nose i mean are they going to probably take that 
I, I, I'm a firm believer of it. I, I always refer to it like uh, when someone orders pizza, you know, there's there's those small pieces in there and then there's those big pieces in there and you can usually see which dudes grab at the biggest piece. And I think that works well with climate emergencies too. Uh, you know, a, a, even an oversized climate on a, you know, a large prolific hatch of even 18s will still pick up fish. Um, I could be wrong, but it works for me. You just reminded me of a joke about pizza and guide yeah. fishing. You heard that one? <laughs> no, I'm ready what, right now. What's the difference between a large pizza and a fly fishing guide? Let's hear it. Oh, the, lar- the large pizza can feed a family of four. <laughs> yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that Let's... you can. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and that's, you know, I know other uh, some of the guys I fish with we are on that same kind of, we always usually will fish one bigger than the hatch. I'm probably going to get lashed for saying that, but it works for me. So Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you alluded also mm-hmm. to uh, wait for it films, and I I really like to talk about that because I, I do follow you on sure. on Instagram and and Facebook, and I, I watch your vids. Thanks. Yeah, and you know what, you guys are doing some cutting edge stuff, and for me, that's almost taken over from watching fishing shows on television because it's local. It's the the skills that you guys are putting out there is is, is top notch. Yeah, it's 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 easy to do now, you know. Um, I've always had video cameras right from, geez, 15 and the old beta high eight tapes, uh, mini DV tapes. I always shot videos, but when I, uh, it would be about 10 years ago, I bought a Mac computer and I bought a MacBook, and it was the first time I could plug a, a camcorder into a computer and everything would come up, not these warnings and problems and no audio and this and that. And that changed everything for me. I can remember exactly where I was sitting when I went out and shot. Uh, we had done a trip up to Island Lake, Big OK, and goofed around with the camcorders. And I had a new Mac and plugged it in. And iMovie was the stock program there, and everything came up. And I quickly put an edit together and, of course, put too much music on it. And, you know, the transitions were terrible, but boom, it worked. So that changed everything for me. My problem is now is I'm trying to catch more on video than I am on my fly equipment and it becomes a quite an adventure <laughs> if i can swear on here there's another word that starts with sh and ends with show but when you got three or four cameras in the boat and a dog and a lot of things going on it's uh it's tricky man getting good 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 footage well you're probably trying to fly your drone with the other hand right super tricky it's a it's a mess but um i, I self-film most most of the time unless i bring someone on so there's a charge of a battery mixed in with an angle with the lighting and then the whole part about catching fish but yeah it's fun i mean i now the trips are all based around how it's going to play out on film and it's a new exciting it's been going on for a while but it's an exciting angle to to bring into a trip Uh, it frustrates some people like my wife and some of my buddies at times but yeah Everything's getting filmed. <laughs> so if if you haven't seen it, just just go on YouTube and yeah. and and YouTube wait for it films, and uh, you'll thank me later. Because thanks, yeah, thanks for the plug. We we've moved a lot of our content over onto Facebook. Uh, Facebook quickly to you know throw a little jab at what's going on with social media. Facebook and YouTube are kind of in a war for 
who's the video platform. Okay. So we do just as much direct loading onto Facebook under Wait For It Films page as we do onto YouTube. And the views are higher for us on Facebook now because that's maybe the circle that I'm in. So people don't have to find it organically. They're being delivered that. So, yeah. It's kind of an age thing too. I've kind of, Facebook's kind of where I'm most comfortable. I kind of jumped into this Instagram thing lately. And uh, that, that that's interesting mm-hmm. to me. Lots to learn, you know? Oh, big time. Yeah. And Instagram with the 60 second, I believe that's what it is, a 60 second video max. You got to, it's a different product, right? It's almost a, a trailer type look to everything. So right. for the bigger stuff, we, we run, you know, for anything over two and a half to 10 minutes, we'll run on YouTube and Facebook. So Wait For It Films is yourself and are you doing that with somebody else or is that a solo project? No, that's that's myself, uh, two GoPros, a DSLR, a DJI, a Phantom 3, and a whole bunch of batteries and cables. Um, the best thing is that is it was the introduction to the GoPro, though, for sure, to get underwater still water shots and get the head cam kind of point of view on casting and catching. that. That's when I got really excited and started. Um, really paying attention to that. I'm going to switch gears on you just a little bit. I'm curious about the um, your Stillwaters website that you're heavily involved in. Tell tell me how how that came about. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a Facebook group. Um, it was post Stillwater season, and I'd been thinking about it for a while because the challenge with a lot of the internet data is it's skewed among things in politics and maybe in the Fraser Valley or what's going on tidally, and there was a gap there. You know, there was a gap for probably the most intense fishery. The guys at Stillwater Fish have a ton of equipment and a ton of places to go. And I saw a gap there. So we, uh, one night, just decided to fire up a logo and and invite a few friends. And it went in two weeks to a thousand people. Now it's being closely monitored around 17, 1800. And it's just Stillwater stuff. And it, yeah, it's successful. Well, I'll tell you, there's a couple of, of, of sites that I frequent, that is one of them, and uh, I noticed it, it moves in trends. You know, I just uh, when you started loading, I, I remember shortly after you started it. You know, it just it snowballed like crazy. I couldn't. Oh, big time! My phone was lighting up. I at, what did we do here? But it, it smoothed out. But it, it was the timing. Like it struck a nerve at the right time. I think it was you know kind of early part of the winter. And a lot of people had, you know, backup photos on their phones and were ready to share them. And I had never seen so many big Stillwater rainbows in a week on Facebook than I did when that thing launched. It was awesome. Well, doesn't that make you laugh? Like, just what you said there, because for me, I mean, you know how rare those double-digit fish are. I mean, we're talking fish of a lifetime. All of a sudden, you're seeing hundreds of pictures. It's like, wait a minute, what what am I doing wrong? Whoa, it hurt. Yeah, it hurt. (laughs) Yeah, there was some amazing images popping up all like in a week. And I feel sorry for anyone that just got into it that maybe thought that that's going to be possible this year because it's probably not. It might be a few years or plus or maybe even a decade before you see something like that. Can you say unrealistic expectations? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I just give me a five pound <laughs> rainbow and I'm happy. Okay, I don't, it doesn't have to be 16. A workmate of mine that kind of jumped on the page the first day and we were talking about, you know, going just, you know, this is my plan is just still water stuff to see what happens. Uh, he came into my office a few days later. He's like, have you seen all those 10 pounders on that page? I said, yeah, man, this is something else. Like they're out there, but wow. 
The one thing I do admire about your page also is that people are quite sensitive to where the picture was taken. It's not like this is this, like, go hit it. Correct. You know what I mean? There's some, and, and yeah, I, I love yeah, that. That's I love important. It. That keeps it exciting too. I mean, there's those little iconic cabins or patches in the hill that can do a lot of damage these days. So everyone's pretty sensitive. It's smart to that. It seems to manage itself. One thing yeah, that I've sure. made uh, a personal promise from the start with the Stillwater's Facebook page was that it's a positive environment. And there's been, you know, numerous posts that were deleted and people that we've you know talked to saying hey I, I know it's fun to jab but we want everyone to feel comfortable on here from you know entry level right to uh, you know seasoned vets and that's worked so I'm I'm happy with that I'm, I'm proud of that and that's the platform I want to stick to is, is you know you can put throw the banter and the negative jokes and stuff somewhere else but it, we wanted to keep it kind of uh inviting for the new guys because there's a ton of info on there and it's local specific stuff so i think you should be proud of that because there are other sites that i i do frequent yeah. and to be honest with you i stopped looking at some of them because right too, too, too negative yeah, that's too right negative. and, and mm-hmm. there's a bit of a challenge there but it's easy to curb the the culture you know you just message those guys and, and i'll be like dude uh, just a heads up, right? Like other people are, you know, jumping on here that are new and they might not get it. Let's just stick to the positive stuff. And it's worked so far. So so that's a, maybe I shouldn't have had that second glass of wine <laughs> yeah. and then started hitting yeah. buttons. But it seems like the group on there now knows that. So it's awesome that, 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 you know, giving back, right? I know there's kids on there. I know there's guys that have just started. I've talked to a bunch of them and we don't want them to think that that's how things go. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. So um, I'm, I'm going to switch gears again on you just a little bit. So if you are on your favorite water on the ranch, first off, you got to tell us what that is. Oh, or is that a secret? Yeah, you're killing me here. I, I, can, can I say five? And no, I, I have a soft spot for Stony because I've broken off at least half a dozen in there. So. And I've seen, I saw a fish last year, I thought it was a loon kind of shooting across the shoal, and, you know, it all happened in a brief second, and it wasn't a loon. So, yeah, Stony, yeah. Stony Lake, favorite pattern is definitely a deer hair dragon, olive size eight. Yeah. That's what I've broke fish off on using straight eight fluorocarbon, too, so... Um, you know, we'll fish, we'll fish all the chromid cycles there, but most of the time during the day or on a switch, we'll run type six sinking lines, a uh, four foot piece of straight eight fluoro to a floating dragon. And that's that big piece of the pizza in the box again. That pizza keeps coming <laughs> yeah. back. That's like the meat lovers one though, with like onions and it's, you oh, kind of oh, okay. hang down and like touch your elbow. That's one of those. <laughs> We're not talking tofu and No, that's here. the big one. Yeah. That's the guilty one. Yeah. yeah, I tell you, I switched over to loop knot. Well, obviously, everyone seems to be doing that on cronies now, but that totally, was a game changer for me. Completely, especially with bead-headed uh, leech patterns, where you're actually getting the dunk of the bead head between the retrieve paws. You will look at, you look at like a tungsten bead pulling a leech down, and it's not going to pull it down if your line's taut with an approved clinch, but with a loop knot, that it drops. So again, when you retrieve, it jumps up. It's a huge move for action flies, you know, weighted forward flies or anything that needs to wiggle. So you spend a lot of time, obviously, on the water. And you got any crazy stories for me that you want to share or anything bizarre that's happened to you in the good last one. Uh, little Very while? Good one. 
I'm going to stick to Stillwater because I had a lot of crazy things happen when I was guiding tidally on the central coast with orcas and things. But uh, fly fishing wise, absolutely. Uh, there's a small, this is going to get people revved up and I can't answer exactly the question of where it is later, but there's, we have a couple exploratory waters that on the Douglas Lake that have been successful and unsuccessful over the years because they're so small. And one of them is gin clear and it's between Merritt and um, uh, Princeton. And we're talking about a, a two and a half acre size body of water. So we had stocked it a few years um, prior with uh, 350 triploids, pinasks at the one inch stage. It never really worked or survived. It would be up and down. So I ended up driving, I was, um, we were stocking firewood in the area and drove down into it. And all I could see was rings, lakes working. They've survived. So day later, I dropped, grabbed my fish cat because it's the only way to get it down into it. You can't get a boat near it. Um, launched it, kicked out. And I had for the first, I'm not joking with you, Mark, for the first five minutes about three dozen fish between 12 and 15 inches following the fin wake, the uh, fin uh, turbulence around on the tube. About six inches underneath. Incredible. <laughs> and I didn't do anything. I didn't flick flies at them. I just sat there and watched them and would kick a little bit and they'd come up and kind of swirl in the fin wake and go back down. And then it just went away. But it was unbelievable. Awesome. You know, so when we're when we have waters that aren't fish, fish are different. I mean, when they don't see boats, yeah. It was a calm, sunny day, so you know, looking if you were diving down and looked up, it would be kind of a neat thing seeing a u-boat with fins and this turbulence yeah and they were really curious for about five minutes and they disappeared so if i'm sitting at home listening to you right now and i'm hearing these big fish stories i want to get in on this action on douglas lake ranch how does somebody um, book that trip that's way to go is, is to jump on the internet at douglaslake.com and have a look around we just launched a new website which is a huge feat because we have properties like we have the Quilshena hotel we have a, a golf course we have general stores and ranching so it's a big site but douglaslake.com we kind of is under the fishing section kind of lays it out as as easy as i could do it without being too confusing well i've frequented that site quite a bit just to see see kind of you know because i i don't know all the lakes on your property every time i turn around yeah, there's one there's i've never quite heard a few, of and, and by no means is it a winning venture operating you know privately stocking and and the 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 tricky part about interior fishing is is if you ask everybody when's the time to go they're all going to have the same answer but these these uh lakes and facilities are all open from ice off from back to ice on so in a whole shot you know the the traffic in region three still water driven is 90 percent of the anglers are around for about 20 percent of the season so it's a whole interesting thing. Um, I f- do a ton of my own fishing in the summer and fall when the you know the the crowds are gone, and the fish are having to eat, you know, and they've adjusted a bit. So there's worse things than getting out there on a full moon too on a on a warm August night. Oh, with you a big got dragon. it. And it, I kind of shouldn't have even said anything. I'm thinking, <laughs> but I'm a huge time summer stillwater guy. I'm fair skinned so it's abusive, but there, we do so well fishing in July and August. It's the the fish have been on the heavy feed since May, 
their uh, protein levels are at their highest. The only thing we're cautious of is if the water temps are too hot, then we'll stay away. But if you know, you if it's not boiling on the surface and you know they're not suffering, there's some really good fishing in the warm months. Yeah, right. that's fun stuff. Hey, Brent, I really thanks a lot for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Your passion just no just shines through. And um, like what you're doing, I look forward to listening to some more. Absolutely. That is Brent Gill from the Douglas Lake Ranch in Douglas Lake, British Columbia, from the Stillwaters website and Wait For It Films. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you would like to hear on the show. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.